Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all, everyone. And before we plunge into this glorious grace, I want to make the announcement that my new book, which is um, This Son of Mine, based on the prodigal son, um, it is at the printers right now, and we are making a special offer, pre-order, and that is I will sign the book. I'm not going to do that after it's here. This is just for pre-orders, and so if you go to our website, you can go to unconditionallovefellowship.com or to malcolmsmith.org, and you'll find all the details there. But um, we will be releasing this book, I'm guessing, in around three to four weeks. But if you order now and up to the time of release, I'll sign it, and that will be included in the price. Okay, let's turn to Ephesians. You've noticed I cannot get away from this subject of grace. And already... Um, I, I have what I'm going to say next week, which is, is more of this. Um, it got all tangled up in this week, and I said, no way, it's another week. So we'll be here. Ephesians in chapter 1, and for the sake of time, I don't want to read the whole chapter, though for sure we could, because it begins in verse 2 with the words, grace to you, which is a very potent phrase, which means the grace of God to you. It is as if all the energy of the divine love is coming to you in grace. But specifically, after he has told us the very first paragraph of all that the Father is to us through and in Jesus, and all that he gives to us, and all his plans for us, Um, Why on earth would he do that? And in verse 6 it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, in the Lord Jesus. And then verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according or in line with the riches of his grace. And then verse 12, all this, it says, to the end, that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory, the glory and the glory of his grace and the riches of his grace. What does it mean? Well, as I said, it will take me two weeks just on these phrases. Um, But it's this word glory. Obviously, it's a predominant word in in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, glory. And I find it is one of the most misunderstood words of the Christian gospel. Uh, I, I... oftentimes ask people to give me definition of Bible words, not in any way to put them down, but to find out where the mind of the average person is these days so that I can speak to it. Um, And I have asked many people over the years, what do you understand by this word glory? Do you know, I, I would put it as high as 99%. I mean, it's almost every time the person says something like what one person said so specifically. The, the, the person said that glory meant uh, flashes of yellow light. Well, 
I, I would say that there's a good many who couldn't do much better than that. Glory, flashes of yellow light. Well, what is glory? What is the glory of His grace? What, what, what is it to the praise of His glory? It's a tremendously important. So I want to give you the definition of glory, but uh, especially if you have no idea, then this is a pretty long definition. Um, and if you do have an idea, this probably pushes the envelope to the nth degree. So bear with me. What does this word mean? It's imperative we know. Essentially, that is where we're going to begin, is that glory begins, in trying to say what it means, it begins with who a person is. I mean, is in the very center and beginnings of their being, who they is. And, and it would take in then all of their thoughts and their dreams and their plans and their purposes and their intentions and their understanding of the meaning of existence, everything that goes on inside that is, which comes then to the surface in attitudes and ways of looking at life and, and, and comes out through the mouth in words and through the hands in action. The totality of a person beginning in who they are at their center. Now, glory is that that person has been made known in their words, in their actions, the, the wake, like the wake of a great ship behind them, all, all that they are in terms of having left their imprint upon society, left their imprint in, in their neighborhood, on their street, in their home, in their work, whatever. Well, it, it's their glory. That's the, the beginning of saying what it is. But then one of the old meanings of the word, which I find to be very helpful, is the word opinion. For when that person looks at themselves and has an opinion as to who they are, that in their mind is their glory. That's who they are. That's what radiates out from them. But when other persons look at them and form an opinion and say, that person has great worth, that person is a jolly good fellow, because look at what he's done. Look at all that lays behind him in terms of his actions. And so my opinion, my opinion about myself, which of course might not be true, that's a very iffy thing. Um, and the opinion of others about me, which again might not be true. Maybe uh, they only see a little bit of who I am and what I've done. But, but you're getting the idea that this mass of thought, this mass of attitude and plan and purpose and intention of a person that resolves into an opinion of who that person is. And so then the next word as to what it means would be reputation. It's the reputation of this is the way this chap is. This is what he does. This is it's his track record. This is the way he has been through life. And wow, what a person. Thank God I was here when he was here because it's his glory of what he has done and all that he has been reputation and, and the fact that other people see this and are impacted by it then this word also means recognition it, it's you see this is not what is hidden inside a person it's what comes out in word and action so that they their very selves impact the lives of others and so it also means fame when a person is famous, it's based on something they've done, something they've contributed, some way in which they've impacted others, and it's their fame, which moves then to praise. 
and to honor and to worth. It's, it's how other people estimate a person and how that person estimates themselves. It's their dignity. The, the actual word in the Old Testament, interestingly, it, it spills into the New Testament, has in it the idea of weight. Because when you have such a reputation and therefore such an influence and, and, and the ability to impact other lives, that's a weight upon you. And so in the New Testament, it speaks of the weight of glory. Um, I don't know if you do it here in the States, but in England, we used to say that that fellow has a lot of weight around here, meaning that he has authority, he has the ability to impact everybody around him. Okay, then it means splendor which is where we get the yellow light stuff from, because in the scripture it speaks of glory as an outraying. Uh, think of it like this, that light is energy. Well, the glory of a person is the energy of their inner selves reaching out. And all that they do is truth, and it is goodness, and it is a blessing to others so that it is described as light, and it's described as radiance, even brilliance, and it comes in brightness. And, and so many times glory does mean that, but that's why it means that. One last uh, meaning of this word would be fulfilled in that what was a thought in the heart of the person has now been fulfilled in action. Their desire to impact their community, their uh, family in, in ways of goodness, it's now been fulfilled and they can stand back and see what they leave behind them as they walk through life. It's been imprinted and that is their reward. They need no other reward except that their good heart has been fulfilled in acts of goodness. Do you, do you get that? I'll refer back to this. It's very important. Um, now, you see, we have opinions of ourselves. Notice the word opinion. That is, we, we see ourselves. We look down within ourselves and we... Uh, we would see a certain glory. That is, we, we look at ourselves and, and we see ourselves as, as persons that are good persons and we're doing good things. Well, at least for a while. Um, that's the trouble when I look at myself. It changes like the weather. Um, I, I look at myself and, and I, I see I'm not a bad fellow. And, and then tomorrow I, I, I think I should be trashed. It, it's, you see, it, it's very iffy when you look at yourself. When we look at ourselves, especially if you're in a position of importance, or if you wish to make your neighbors think that you are in a position of importance, we sort of solidify the radiance. We solidify the light thing, and so we, we buy cars we can't afford, and we put jewelry on our hands that sparkles and suits that are far beyond the price a normal chap can pay, and, and buy houses, and, and that sort of outradiance of light to say, look, I'm glorious, I, I have glory, I have importance, look at the car, look at my boats, look at, look at, look at. Um, royalty, especially back in England, you'd, you'd dress royalty in jewels until they did sort of shine. Um, because we say that they have great worth, they have great importance, they are glorious, and so on. But other people look at us and they have an opinion, and that's even more fickle than our own opinion of ourselves. Boy, does that change by the day. Uh, you can not only by the day, it's like morning fog. It's here, and as soon as the sun begins to come through the clouds, it's gone. You, you look, I mean, 
I, I'm not very much aware of it, but on, on TV in Hollywood, persons rise, they're, they're like a shooting star. They're here today, you don't even know their name tomorrow. It's a glory and it's gone. And fame is like the spider's web on an August morning. It sparkles and then it's not there. Yeah. The glory other people give is a fickle thing. But we do use the word, sort of. We used to use it a lot more than we do today. Today the word is more famous. Um, it, it's more my impact on my reputation. But it, it's all the same thing. But now I come to God's glory. Who God is in himself. Who God is. And when God would look at God and declare who he is, that is absolute and final truth. It never changes. The unchanging God who he is. And who is he? He is love. And that love might be described as goodness. It might be described as kindness and gentleness and compassion and patience and long-suffering. It might be described as covenant loyalty. I will never leave you. That's who God is. And he does not because he cannot change. It is who he is. And so he is faithful and he is wise. And that love that God is, is of such real, could I put it like that? that that love in itself is unlimited power to do that love and to be that love and impact the creation and comes to us with such energy that whenever humans catch a glimpse of that, they see it radiant with light and radiant blazing brilliance. The glory of God, who he is, and I could stop there and probably for six webinars just talk about who he is and the outraying of that isness so that his very personal presence comes into our lives and he bees himself to us and in us, you see. Because when we speak of the glory of God, boy, you've got to get this. When we speak of the glory of God, it can never be discussed, debated, as something remote and removed. You know, in, in many seminaries, even Bible schools, they do this. They, they talk about God in who he is, as though he's a butterfly that's pinned to a cork board to be now analyzed and debated and discussed. Well, forget that. I wish you'd never been there because that's done you far more harm than good. You cannot talk about the love of God, the compassion of God, his goodness, his kindness, his gentleness. You can't talk about that as you might talk about the, the price of sugar on Tuesday. You, you can't do that. The only way I know that God is love is that that love reaches to me. The only way I can understand the long-suffering of God is to see that revealed in my life and your life. The glory of God is that he's not locked up to himself, but totally gives himself away and interacts and relates to us. Do you understand that? That is the glory of God, that God is not locked up to himself as a remote deity that looks at us over the top of his glasses from a million miles away. God's glory, his reputation, God's fame, God's glory is that all that he is, he pours it out and he gives it to us. And therefore, at the heart of the glory of God is grace. 
That's his glory that he is the original definer of give. And he doesn't give, he is givingness. For there is nothing that he does which is not a gift. It's who he is. So think about this then. If I, well, this is hard for me just to sit and talk about because it is so incredible we should just shout for a while, you understand. Our glory is that God creator pours his glory into us. That makes me glorious that I am the object of his love. He is kind and gentle, long-suffering to me and to you. That makes us glorious. You understand? That other parts of creation may look to us and say, Wow, the Creator has united his very self with those humans. That's our glory. That's our dignity. That's our honor. You want fame? Huh. You know, you, those people, you know, who, who must drop the names of persons they think are famous. And um, that, that is so sick because they, they obviously are persons who are totally empty of any sense of worth in themselves and so they have to sort of borrow it from other people's names well the fact is our names our persons are the focus of the glory the fullness of who God is giving himself to us you want to see a famous person look at yourself in the mirror look at me right now we we have the fame of being one with the God who has shared his name with us, Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the opinion that God, Holy Trinity, has of himself is absolute truth. I said, when we think of ourselves, what we think of ourselves is not true. But, well, maybe it's true, it's not truth. But when... God announces his opinion of himself. When, when God announces who he is, and when God speaks and when he acts, that is final truth. And also, when he announces his opinion, his thoughts concerning us, those thoughts and opinions are absolute, final, beyond debate, truth. Do you get it? If God's glory is truth, it says he cannot lie. God would cease to be God if he lied. For love cannot lie, and God is love, and therefore he cannot lie. And therefore his opinion of himself and his opinion of us is final truth. So my worth, my value is not in what I think of myself, because that goes the way the wind blows. That, that's as dependable as whether I'm having a good hair day. That, that uh, well, what I think about myself depends on how the chap at the door of the grocery store looked at me. He can destroy me with just a look, you know. But my value, my worth, your value as a human being is rooted in God's glory. Or would you follow me at this point to say your glory is rooted in God's glory. He, this glorious God, when he speaks concerning you, what he says, there's your value, there's your worth, there's your glory. For he only thinks glorious thoughts of us. 
for he is love and so he thinks thoughts of love concerning you good thoughts gentle thoughts kind thoughts you see for God so loved the world that's the way he is that never changes whatever you think about it however you're responding to it or not responding or reacting doesn't make it did you think you can change the being of God by not believing him you Eric how could you you're daft how, how do you think you can change God by not believing in him that makes him a figment of your imagination Oh, God is God, whether you believe him or not. God is God, whether you like him or not. God is God. It's the way he is. And he is love, whether you like it or not. He is love to you, whether you have worked for him, against him, ignoring him. God loves the way he that's his glory you see that's the way he is and wherever you find his fingerprints they are dancing with love and goodness the blazing light energy of that love compassion do you realize there is never a day in your life when this god father and son and holy spirit is disgusted with you Hmm, let that sink in. There's never a day when this God walks away from you and said, I've had it. He's never disgusted with you. He values you to such an extent. He shares his glory with you simply by loving you and putting his love in you. He values you and declares you worth saving, desires, longs, yearns that you should be by sheer grace, gift, participating in the Holy Trinity family. His thoughts toward you are that you are precious. And that glory, the sum total of who God is, his glory revealed is in the giving of Jesus. For Jesus is God come from God. And so John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world. That. So now we define that so loved. What does so loved mean? It means that he gave his only begotten son, God from God. The theological word incarnation. God took to himself our humanness. Now there is the glory of God. God's wow. This God loves us to such an uncountable degree that he became one of us he couldn't get closer he took to him flesh and blood and sinew and muscle and bone and organs and and, and lived in the ghetto of nazareth in a third world country occupied by the cruelest nation on earth that's how much he loves you. Came and joined us. That's his glory. So in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says that the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Glory is no longer a word, such as it was in the Old Testament. Glory became flesh and dwelt among us. In John chapter 1, John said, And we beheld his glory radiating through his person. Or again, it, it says he's, he's the word. He's the outspeaking of who God is. He's the outspeaking then of his glory. 
If you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. That's what it's saying. And I'm going to go back to this. God became and still is human flesh. I mean, not, not only the flesh that I'm now presenting to you on this screen, but everything that we call human, that humanness, that stuff that is passed on from generation to generation, you receive from your parents, you pass it on to your children, and we look at one another and we say we are human. Human, human. God, the Creator, became human. Do, do you understand? That's the beginning of understanding our glory. We, we are exalted beyond any other creature on the planet. God joined us so that we call God Creator brother and he calls us brothers and sisters which in itself reveals the worth the glory that he places on us I, I, I know religion doesn't go here religion is much happier flat on its face saying oh I'm not worthy I'm not worthy well just understand this there's a bestowed worth Love bestows worth. And for God to join us and become one of our family. God took to himself our human and ate porridge in the morning. Yes, God took a shower. One of us. You see, that is why humans increasingly act like beasts. Because, at least here in the United States, the, the school system teaches our children that we came from slime, evolved up through apes and beasts, with no reference to our utter uniqueness. We're not beasts, we never have been. We, we, we have a worth, we have a value, we have glory and meaning and purpose that no other creature that God created has. And the Creator, in His glory, which is love that radiates out, His glory is that he would bestow glory on us and determine that we should participate in his glory and know him. And that glory of God, that love of God that's ever outreaching came to finality when God not only became human, but became sin for us and took to himself every pain and hurt and abuse of the human race and embraced it into himself and carried it to death. And the glory of God is that his love is stronger than death and so he reversed death and brought us out of death never again to be subject to the oppression of sin and Satan. And what I just said is not a jolly good idea. The fact that Jesus Christ in himself carried you and I into death and Jesus Christ carried you and I out of death into a new creation which exists in the presence of sin and Satan, but with no 
no oppression from, no, no, Satan has no more authority. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You are totally, utterly forgiven and there's no more consciousness of sin. That in the mind of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit is the final deal. You could say God has made up his mind forever in the resurrection. Do, do you get this? The glory of God's love, his fame, his reputation, his absolute truth is that he's made up his mind, his opinion concerning you that in Jesus Christ there is no more consciousness of sin. He's made up his mind. It's a done fact that Satan has no more authority in your life. It's final. Sin shall not have dominion over you and your flesh. That which would act as if God never existed was crucified with Christ, overdone, finished. And though you live, it is no longer you but Christ who lives in you. That's not a jolly good idea. That's final fact. It's the way God always thinks about you. You say, well, I don't know about that, mate. No, because you and I, we are infinitely more than we think we are. <laughs> and infinitely more than all the folks you work with and live with and say good morning to. I don't know what they think about me or you, but whatever they do, we are inf limitlessly more than they ever think we are. They don't have a clue who's standing beside them in the elevator. And I don't know what your family thinks of you. Immediate family, extended family. We've all got these ideas. But it doesn't, you see, God's opinion of you arises from his own glorious love that gave you, grace gave you, this position. He placed you in Jesus, joined your history to Jesus. Yes, you. Yes, me. Religion is getting upset. I can feel it happening. Because, you see, we're supposed to say that, that God feels this way about those that have kept all the rules. Mm -mm. You see, that's the scandal of divine love. He loves me as I am. He loves you. He adopted as his own our humanity. This is radical grace. This is getting to the root of the matter. It is the glory of God, who God is, giving himself to us, the most unlikely creatures in all creation. Jesus captured this in the parable of the prodigal son. I, I've spent 60 years meditating on the prodigal son and then I wrote my book after 60 years and um, that's the one that's going to be published pretty soon and, and as soon as it had gone to the press I, I, I called them and said I've got another chapter they said it's too late so it, it's this that is my other chapter this is in the book only as a paragraph. I wanted it to be two chapters. Anyway, it, it, it's this. When, when human confronts the glory of God, how do we handle that? You see, the prodigal son, and I'm assuming you know the story. It's Luke 15, if you don't. He, he leaves home. Why, why did he leave home? Why did he leave the place of belonging because he was blind to the glory of his father. Do you understand now what I'm saying? His father, as the story unfolds, is this person who is the imaging of the glorious love of God. 
He, he's, he's a man with unconditional love. He's a man with extreme forgiveness. He's a man that changes lives through his love. But the son is blind to that. He lives in the presence of that, but he's totally blind to it. And he goes into the far country where he has a certain kind of glory. Do you understand? He has a certain kind of reputation, which to his blinded, addled mind at that time would be glory, fame. Because you see, he has more than pocketfuls of cash. He's got bags of it took a third of the ranch and turned it into cash. It's his dad's money, and he's coming there. What a misuse of dad's money. But he, he has a sham, a pretend glory. You can tell it by the clothes he wears and the rings on his hand. The kind of donkey that he can ride. I, he looks the piece. And the people flock, and it says that he wasted everything in riotous living. Oh, you'll get, you'll get fame. Oh yes, you, you, it, it's, but it's a sham. It, it, it's, it's a glory that has no connection with who you truly are. It's when we say that a person is prosperous. Why? Well, they won the lottery. No, it doesn't mean a jolly thing in terms of the Bible. And that person's not prosperous. They are actually in a very extremely dangerous poverty. Prosperity, glory begins within. So he, he goes in the far country. He's glorious in the eyes of the world. He's got enough money to be famous among his crowd. But as soon as the money runs out and a famine hits the land, that kind of glory, is, as I said before, is so fickle. It's here today. It's gone by the evening. After the money would gone and he had to sell his fine clothes and donkey and so on, um, there's nothing left. It's lights out. The brilliance that was only the sparkle of a ring has gone. And those who once lauded him as glorious in his ability to be the heart and soul of the party, now they throw him aside as worthless. Nobody even bothered to give him a crust. They don't give him another thought. Rejected, abandoned. And it says he joined himself to a certain rancher. And that word joined is the same word that would be true in New York City and other places where, you know, you stop at a red light and 900 men leap out of the sides to wash your windows when they were washed at the previous traffic light. And, and you say, no, thank you, no, thank you. They're, they're, oh, yes, you do. And, and they won't go away. That, that's exactly the meaning of the word. He joined himself to the rancher. Why? Because the rancher didn't want him. The rancher said, I've got no work for you. I've got no money for you. And the boy says, you can't do without me. You've got to have me. Because nobody wanted him. So he had to pretend they did. And he's lost all of his fine, glorious clothes. And he's dressed in rags and smells like a pig. And then it says, he came to himself. Came. Came. So, so up until then, I suppose he lived in a sort of vague sense that he was sort of okay. Things were tough, but I'm, I'm okay. And he still has very vivid memories of those parties he used to host. And he can still hear the praise and the fame and honor that the others put on him. Now, this day, in the parable, he comes to himself. He leaves all of that vague memory of being a jolly good fellow, and, and, and he came to himself, as if one stands on the edge of an abyss, and you see yourself. And he is horrified. 
of what he sees and he recoils and essentially calls himself foolish and idiot and he sums up his life at that moment with I am not that's the dead giveaway I am not do you sum your life up in terms of what you are not summed his life up in terms of how wrong he was I have sinned and he's awash in sin consciousness and the shame of it he says I'm not worthy I don't balance out I'm a phony came to himself it's interesting that religion those who were listening to Jesus give this story and religion today they applaud that I've heard a hundred sermons on the fact that sort of when he got saved he he came to himself and he says I'm a no good louse I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm no good I'm unworthy and religion says jolly good show that's it that's it yes grovel some more that's what God wants that that you see they've totally missed the point haven't they because this boy is still as lost as he ever was and he responds to that in his pride that is he still has an opinion of himself he still has a belief in ragged strands of what he thinks of as glory he says I can handle this I suppose you would call it a rededication one more go at it <laughs> rededicate I can handle this and he thinks of his dad and he has an opinion of him that is he, he thinks he knows the glory of his father and he says I'm gonna push it as far as I dare I'm going to ask him to make me as a hired servant, which is just half a step above a slave. And you don't live at home, and you're hired maybe once or twice a year. But he says, I know my dad. There's not much mercy in him. His glory can only go so far. And if I, I think, I think, I think if, I, if I offer to be a slave, he'll think I'm a good fellow. I'll show him I have it in me to try again. <laughs> what a what a glory. He smells like a pig. He's a homeless bum. Anybody with decency would cross the road when they saw him coming. But he's going with his glory. Uh, he's going to rededicate himself. He's going to try again. And he can rise above pigs and just be almost a slave to his father. And on the road, that glory, which was the best he as the human could bring together, collides with the glory of the father, which Jesus is portraying as the presence of God. And this is the real glory of that father of the parable collides with this miserable Walmart special do-it-yourself glory. What was the glory of the father as he looked upon this ragged wretch, this homeless person who stunk of the abominable animal, the pig? This father who he is came radiant out and it says he was moved with compassion and he ran in the urgency to give himself to this boy love took legs and ran in order to establish a relationship with this boy and he flings his arms love which is total giving himself grace embraces pulled him to himself so that the fine clothes of the father are mixed up with the filth the rags of this boy 
And the, it, it says, and it's in the margin of most of your Bibles where it, it should be translated, it said he smothered him with kisses, placed his lips on that filthy skin. Just, just, just hold it. Don't, don't you see not only what he looks like, but don't you, don't you, that, don't you realize what he must have done, what his behavior must have been to arrive in this state? The father seems oblivious to the boy's resume, which he carries in the filth of his body and clothes. And when he speaks, he looks at him and he says, you are my son. The boy's just got through talking about not worthy to be called your son. But he says, you are my son. You were lost, but you're found. You were dead, but you're alive. And then he called his servants and he said, dress this man in accord with who he truly is. Because the way he's dressed now in no way reflects his true glory. And then kill the fatted calf and let us celebrate in accord with my glory that I love. And I love this boy. And I will to reinstate him to his true glory. And so love and grace were set to dance music. And they waltzed and they rumbled. They danced and waltzed through the whole village as the father was saying, Rejoice with me. His glory is filling the village. Did you understand me? Every dance step, every song, every beat of the drum and play on the fiddle. It all was saying, this father has forgiven. This father has received. This father has reinstated the glory of the father. What a father. But it meant also this son has heard words he never thought he would ever hear. He was hearing his father say, Welcome, welcome to who you truly are. Accept your acceptance. Receive the grace. Rejoice with me. What's the boy going to do? Confronted with the glory of the father... He repented. And you've heard me say so many times, the word repent, I wish it was not in the English language, for it no way reflects the meaning of the Greek word, which means to exchange thoughts. It means to have such a radical change of mind, you are exchanging one mindset for another. And his change was... <laughs> He took the glory of the Father, a glory he'd never seen before because he was blind, never thought of, never thought possible. And he exchanged it for the ragged thing he had thought his father was. He repented. He had a new mind concerning his father, which gave rise to a new faith, a new trust in that father's glory he trusted the love that his father had for him he trusted the forgiveness the father was extending to him or you could say it was an exchange of opinion he now accepted the father's opinion of him and rejected the opinion he had of himself can you get that? Repentance, faith, it was an exchange of opinions. He believed his father's glory, his father's opinion. So he threw overboard the opinion that he had, first of all of his father, and secondly of himself, and exchanged it now for the father his true glory, who he really was, and the Father's opinion of him, he made it his own. He thought about himself as his Father thought about him. 
Now that's that's bold. <laughs> Do you are you are you with me? Do you see where this is going? Do you think about yourself as this glorious God thinks? Do you think of yourself in terms of graced with this glory of grace? I mean, that opens up whole new worlds of possibility in terms of what is, what can be, what shall be. It, it, it means if, if, if God the Father says that you are forgiven through Jesus Christ, if the Father says you are His beloved, if the Father says that you are His child, if the Father says that He has placed His Holy Spirit within you, who implements and actualizes this fellowship you have with the Father and with the Son, Jesus, that is so. It's beyond debate. The Father said it. He cannot lie. That's His glory of what He's just done with you. Wow, that opens up a new possibility of life. If He says, I'm free from sin, then I don't have to sin anymore like that, do I? No, I can put away unlove, put away bitterness and anger and slander and gossip and malice and filthy conversation out of my mouth and I can put on gentleness and kindness. I can put into my mouth the love of God and I can encourage and build people up and I can lay hands on them and bring healing to their bodies and souls. New possibilities. If I am who Father says I am through Jesus, then I'd better change my thinking. I'd better start trusting who He is and what He says of me with the faith He has. So, how do you see yourself? How do you call yourself? Do you feel more at home in the far countries saying, I'm no good, I'm unworthy, I'm stupid, I'm foolish, I'm an idiot. Nobody in their right mind could love me. I can't think straight, I never amount to anything, I'm a loser, I am, I am, I am, I am. I am is the key word to glory, because I am describes your isness, your glory. And in the far country, that was... <laughs> How do you call yourself, you see? Where, where are you right now? Still in the far country thinking? What's your opinion of yourself? What's your, what's your glory? Do you see your glory as, as struggling and trying? And I, I'll rededicate myself like I did last Sunday. I, I, or is the glory, the opinion of yourself, your, rep, your reputation, is it that the glory of God dwells in you through the Holy Spirit? And what you are, you are by the grace of God, by His gift. And what is your opinion of the Father's opinion? What do you think God is right at this moment thinking about you? Out of His glory, what thoughts come down to you? This is what He thinks of you. This is what He dreams for you. This is what He, know this is what he knows you are. See, religion says, well, of course, He knows you're a dirty, rotten sinner, full of sin and corruption and rottenness. Yeah, well, let religion go on its way. Religion, In fact, it talks about religion in Philippians 3. What is it? Verse 19, where it says that their glory is their shame. They glory in it. They glory in sin consciousness. They glory in their trials. They glory in their defeats. And they say, you say, I'm not worthy. I'm no good. Well, let them go off. Let them have their pity party way outside of the party of God. Because God says of you that he has placed his spirit within you and you live abiding in his love, empowered by grace. Who are you? Never believe your own opinion. You believe and trust the Father's opinion of you that you are securely in Christ Jesus. 
Don't ever trust what your peers say, what your relatives, not even what the church says, because that can change depending on your dedication week by week. And those of you that have been bullied and hurt with cruel words, please don't believe that opinion of you. That's a, that's a lie, and let's, let's settle for that. The only truth is what the Father says about you. And you failed, you're bankrupted once or twice. Well, that's not, you, you don't define yourself by that. You are defined by what Father says of you. You've been through divorce and broken partnerships in business, and well, that's not who you are. Stop saying the I am. You are, your glory is what the glory of the Father in the face of Jesus through the empowerment of the Spirit says you are. And when they give you those fawning far country compliments, just smile and know that it's as worthless as a spider's web on an August morning. No, the Father sees who you are. He sees who you are in Jesus Christ. And that's where his mind is made up about you. That's who you are. We're not debating it. We're not talking. God doesn't say, well, let's see. No, we don't. He speaks to who you are in Christ, for that's the only you there is. He speaks to you there and calls forth that, that you grow in that grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And that, the true you, he empowers to be who you are. Oh, you are a treasure. Jesus himself said you were a treasure hidden in a field and he bought the whole jolly field to get hold of you. He called you a pearl of great price and he never quit till he found you. You are a treasure, said Paul, in a clay pot. You're just waiting to be discovered. Dare, dare in the name of Jesus Christ, dare to speak of yourself as you truly are. And what's going to happen? Well, you're going to become who you are. The same as when you treat that little bundle of smelly diapers and screaming more. You you're, you're treat that as a true human being. And what happens? They put off the diapers and they begin to act and they begin to emerge as the human they were in the womb. But now they're becoming who they are. And so when you know who you are, when you know the glory of God dwells in you, and that is your glory, and it's there by sheer grace, not by earning, then you put off everything that's inconsistent with that. If that's who I am, then I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be saying that. I rather want to be who I am and let this glory come out through words and actions and to realize my life is Christ is in me, the hope of glory, the expectancy of glory. And by the way, though I'm finished, um, once you see who you are in this glory of grace, you then learn to see others in the same way. So that when you speak to them, you're, you're not addressing their most recent resume. You're looking beyond the outward rags and pig muck, if that's what's there. You're even looking beyond the morality that is so obnoxious in the presence of grace. And, and you see them for who they truly are, included into Christ, destined for a place in the love, grace, family. And that's how you pray. When you pray, you don't rehearse before God all the failures and tell him what a loser, but only you can help him. No, you rehearse before the Father all that this person is in Jesus Christ and pray the Holy Spirit open their eyes to see. 
Well, that will have to be another day, but I thought I'd throw it in. And now the blessing of this God of incredible love, endless giving grace, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May He open our eyes, every one of us. Open our eyes wide to see who we truly are in Christ Jesus and thus walk in His glory. So I bless you and declare that is the way it is.